This month, the Book Recos podcast is sponsored by our lovely sustainable friends at Jungle Culture. Jess, I'd not heard of Jungle Culture before they got in touch with us, did you? Yes, they'd actually been on my radar for a little while because, as you know, buying homeware is pretty much a hobby for me at this point. And what I love about Jungle Culture is that every single one of their products is stylish, sustainable and ethically sourced. Like a lot of people, I'm trying to reduce the amount of plastic I buy and Jungle Culture are making that so much easier for everyone. They work with farmers and artisans in Southeast Asia to make the majority of their products and use locally sourced organic materials like reclaimed wood and bamboo and upcycling coconut shells into their beautiful bowls and candles. And of course, Jungle Culture wouldn't be sponsoring if we couldn't give an honest reco. And some of our fave of their products include the eco washing up brushes, because it really makes me upset whenever I have to throw away a plastic one. So I'm so excited to make the switch. Game changing. For me, it's their reusable makeup remover pads using a blend of sustainable bamboo and organic cotton fibre, which are buttery soft, reusable and great if you have sensitive skin like I do. All of their products are 100% plastic free and either fully recyclable or biodegradable. So if you want to do your bit for the planet whilst helping a small family run UK business, check out some of their gorgeous lifestyle and homeware products. And because they're lovely, they've offered Book Recos listeners a 25% discount off their first purchase for the whole of November. When you join the Jungle Culture community, you'll get exclusive access to deals and offers throughout the year, including their Black Friday sale, which is coming up, as well as tips and inspiration on how to live plastic free easily. So visit the link in the show notes or use the code book25 at checkout for 25% off orders over £10. And don't forget to show us what you buy. Between the pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. Today we are discussing the highly anticipated new novel from Dolly Alderton, which is called Good Material. Spoiler alert, we do discuss potential spoilers towards the end of this episode in order to have a proper in-depth discussion, but we'll let you know when it's coming, so enter at your own risk. Podcast as a 30 year old 30 years young young man so young <laughs> um I also just really quickly wanted to say before we go any further I listened back to last week's episode and I just want to like confirm that I did have a nice wedding <laughs> so it's like wow all my tips are so negative but I had a really great day and it was fantastic and it was everything that you'd expect to <laughs> Oh my god! But I should let people know that I am happy with how the day went. Good. Um, So yeah, that's enough from me. You had a birthday. I had a birthday. Yeah. How was it? Birthday. Decade-defining birthday. It was great. I had a I had a lot of fun, and I actually feel very optimistic about my thirties. I feel like your twenties, in general, are quite a tumultuous time Mm. in terms of like who you are at the beginning of your 20s, like you've just come out of uni, you don't know what you're doing. You haven't even come out of uni. Exactly. And you haven't like started your 
well, I hadn't started a job yet, didn't really know what I was doing there. Mm -hmm. And who you are at the end of your 20s is, is, is very different. And that sort of in-between phase, the messy middle, I think, was very messy. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually quite optimistic about my 30s and feeling a little bit more like I kind of know what I'm doing, at yeah. least from a career perspective. Like I know what that looks like a bit more and you found your feet a bit more, you know? Yeah, love this. This is a great outlook. Go, yeah, I'm going in with a positive mental attitude for sure. Um, But yeah, I did start my 30s with um a lot of Prosecco and making the same mistakes I did throughout all my 20s, <laughs> which was not knowing my limits, but you know. Some habits don't have to, is it die hard? What's the phrase? Yeah. Yeah, I think you can definitely carry some of those great traits through, you know? Definitely. <laughs> and Jess organized a bottomless bingo brunch for me, which was so much fun. It was, a, what was it called? High Jingo? It was High Jingo, yeah. High Jingo in Liverpool Street, which was a bottomless brunch, which was basically squidding, squid games meets bingo. Yeah, but also completely, absolutely not at all. Like it was just bingo, but because yeah, but they had not. made it a bit futuristic, everyone was like, squid games of bingo. Like, like they hadn't tried to be squid games at all. Oh yeah, but when um, <laughs> we like called somebody up to, because all of these like dances and people like calling out the numbers and stuff, it was like all very like futuristic and all the dancers were like wearing all black and like face masks so you mm. couldn't see their faces and um, so when somebody would like call bingo or whatever and they went up onto the stage to get their numbers checked I was fully anticip anticipating for the person if they were incorrect had incorrectly shouted bingo for there to be like a trap door and they would fall down and just yeah. die like shot like, in the face like red light green light yeah, yeah. Yeah. um what so that uh, that didn't happen um but it was really good fun and then we went on for drinks which ended up kind of messy but it was already messy we yeah. brought you to the drinks in a state yeah. Yeah. so job done tick tick <laughs> I would say we wasn't hung over on Friday on Sunday so I don't know what everyone is going on about that the 30s you are your worst hangovers honestly I was loving it I was maybe fine. this is the new era that in this decade you don't get hangovers no and do you know what it is supposedly b12 stops you getting hangovers um and I take a b12 in the morning anyways because I don't eat meat and you're meant to um and supposedly if you take one after you've been drinking as well that's meant to help so I took a b12 but I also took a shitload of paracetamol and ibuprofen so I think a concoction of drugs also helped. And let me just be clear, I'm not giving out advice here. I um, was just about to say, top reco, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm definitely not qualified to do that. So, you know, also do that at your own risk. But I would say Lauren was really, really drunk. Yeah. So to not get a hangover, like, I think there's something in I'm going to say it's a reco because I was like, can't wait to message Lauren and see how she's feeling today. I was absolutely fine went for a long walk like a two-hour walk went for dinner and then watched fireworks and at no point did I have any hangover 
or like because you know sometimes you you wake up and you're like oh I'm not drunk and it's actually just because you're still drunk yeah and then later on in the day your hangover comes nope not at all anyways shall we talk about shall we get into some good material yeah um all right well let's start by saying that I mean if you listen to this podcast you should really know who Dolly Alderton is by now I think it'd actually be quite an achievement to have come this far of listening no um but she wrote everything I know about love which is a memoir that has now been adapted into a tv series that we've also talked about her other non-fiction book is Dear Dolly which is a collection of her advice columns and then her last fictional book was called Ghosts and I'm sure we'll refer to it today, but it's about a woman who gets ghosted and just like generally about the dating world. Um, so, Lauren, before we go any further, do you want to drop the synop of good material? I really do. OK. Every relationship has one beginning. This one has two endings. Andy loves Jen. Jen loved Andy. And he can't work out why she stopped. Now he is one without a home. Two, waiting for his stand-up career to take off. And three, wondering why everyone else around him seems to have grown up while he wasn't looking. Set adrift on the sea of heartbreak at a time when everything he thought he knew about women and flat sharing and his friendships has transformed beyond recognition. Andy clings to the idea of solving the puzzle of their broken relationship. Because if he can find the answer to that, then maybe Jen can find her way back to him. Andy still has a lot to learn, not least his ex-girlfriend's side of the story. So being Dolly Alderton, I didn't read the synopsis first. I knew I was reading it regardless of what it was about. So I was very shocked to meet a male narrator. Did you know it was coming? And what was your reaction? So I did. I had read the synopsis when it was announced like a year ago that she was releasing this book. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, male narrator this is going to be interesting but I also think it was because I don't know a lot of her books like she needed to make it very different to Ghost I think if she had another female or uh, woman protagonist it would feel too similar to Ghosts in that respect of like starting with a breakup um, yeah. and a lot of it I was a bit like I don't know it's a bit how I feel about men writing women protagonists like you don't know that you don't know the 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 woman experience of this and a lot of it I was like how how where where is, is this just her idea of what an, a man experience a breakup would be like well I've seen that on her like book tour yeah. for this book all of the different locations her like co-host has been a man oh interesting so I think she's like purposely done that yeah That's but, really- um speaking of the man in yeah. the, in the book Andy um I can't stand him he's a huge baby who is overly obsessed with the Beatles and makes his personality and I think comes across as really fake because of how obsessed he is. I'm like, do you actually even listen to their music or do you just want to be seen as a big Beatles fan? Um, And I guess the whole point of the book is that he is immature and maybe we aren't supposed to like him. There were definitely parts when I was rooting for him purely because we were hearing it from his perspective. But on the whole, I was like, fucking hell, this man is so annoying. Did you like him? Uh, No. (laughs) I... 
found myself thinking throughout the whole book, why the fuck was Jen ever with Andy? And how did they last this long? Because Jen is uh, very successful in her career and seemed like somebody who just, it seemed like there was no world in which that they were ever compatible Mm. in terms of like, how they lived their lives and what their priorities were. Jen was like, is quite a conformist character in that she works in insurance, uh, owns her own flat, has, is, you get the impression like very sensible. And Andy is the total opposite. He works as a comedian or striving comedian Mm. who is semi-failing but can't quite give it up and has used the same jokes for his gigs for the last 10, 15 years. And to make ends meet, like does a bunch of other odd jobs, like works on his friend's cheese stand and will do like corporate gigs or something. And you just get the impression like, how are are you ever together? Yeah, you know, I I just didn't see how they were ever compatible, um, but I did find the way that his spiral post broke up breakup unraveled was I I found it like really interesting to watch. It was like watching a car crash in slow motion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess actually that's um. So the book starts with a list of why it would never have worked with Jen. And actually like, so from that, you're like, she sounds fucking awful. Yeah. And then as the book goes on and Andy spirals more, you really do start to like side with this person that you actually haven't met and you only know through Andy because of how he is. So I just thought maybe we should start by reading a few of the items on the list, which I haven't prepared, but I've got the book in front of me. Um, I mean, some of them, the first one is can't dance, has no rhythm at all. Used to find it adorable until I saw people laughing at her and hate to say I was embarrassed. Like that's actually mean. But some of them were, um, <laughs> this one I felt violently attacked. Talk too much and too smugly about coming from a big family as if it was her decision to have three siblings. Okay, we'll talk about that one anymore. <laughs> so you feel attacked by that one I feel attacked by the other one because I can't think of anything worse than anybody looking at me when I dance and that is him commenting that he felt embarrassed makes me feel legitimized why I don't like being on the dance floor because I always just think everyone's going to look at me and think I'm so wooden no no one looks at anyone else dancing apart from Andy apparently Apart from um, I want to find there was some that were like that really did make her seem holier than thou like in his eyes and I was like oh yeah she sounds so annoying I think her upbringing and he like takes the piss or like her being like very middle class yeah there was one that was um well here it says goes to therapy every week and has done since she was 29 but would never tell me what they spoke about and I've never seen that she has anything wrong with her like that's very like male isn't it yeah Man. um i mean the last one has ruined my life um <laughs> but... there was one on here i'm trying to look for it i mean one of them has talked at the cinema that's annoying yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i mean this one is 
no actually that's a spoiler I'm going to come to that one later if I say that one now but we'll, yeah I'll save that okay but basically it's this like never-ending list of about 30 things and like when you read that much negative stuff about one person of course you can't help but side with yeah yeah especially because I mean the way he broke she broke up with him maybe that was the thing you were thinking about like they went mm. to, to Paris um and then he broke she broke up with him when they got back from Paris and a huge part of why he can't deal with their relationship breakup or like um process it is because it came so out of the blue mm. and he can't help but assume that actually she'd been meaning to break up for him, with him for a really long time and was putting it off which I think is fair to say is probably true yeah and that's quite a cruel thing to do by any standard so I think that's definitely for me reading that gave me a very like mean like made me think she was quite a mean person yeah and I think also starting with a list like that when he was sad about the breakup I was like get over it like you've listed all the things like all these things like why would you want to be with this person like what the hell and I I think it was clever to start it that way but it definitely did it took me a while to believe in the relationship because I had read all the reasons why it didn't work up front yeah. but then what I really loved was the retelling of the beginning of their relationship and mm. starting to see how they did fall in love and actually they did work together and in true like Dolly style it was very like romantic and as Jess would say like the fizzy feelings of a new relationship and I'm just going to read a little extract of that so you get the idea and it goes and then we met and fell in love and introduced each other to all of it like chill showing each other their favorite toys that instinct never goes look at my fire engine look at my vinyl collection look at all these things I've chosen to externalize who I am it was fun to find out about each other's self-made cultures and I and make our own hybrid in the years of eating watching reading listening sleeping and living together and then it goes on to sort of go through what their relationship was like our relationship was tea drunk from very large mugs and looking forward to Glastonbury ticket day and watching Game of Thrones and, you know, going over all the little things that make a relationship up, which I think Dolly Alderton can always just capture so well, I think. Yeah. Is that page 146 by any chance? It is indeed. Thanks for that, Warren. How did you know? Um, in, it's for me to talk. I was like, I'm going to talk about page 146. And then when you started, I was like, that is that is freaking true of page 146. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> but it's because it's such a lovely passage that like, yeah. course, I think everyone that reads it is going to like annotate the shit out of that, you know? Yeah. It's because really we nice. had a shared copy. Um, I've just taken photos on my phone <laughs> of the pages that I really liked. Um, and well, that was then to that vein, I want to share one that is just like about Dolly being like a normal person. I mean, I don't really know. Like it's like the magic in the mundane kind of stuff mm. that she talks about a hangover. Um, where the hell is it? Because I've got the book back, but I can't find where I uncross things. Although to be honest, it doesn't really matter. But basically they have they're having a hangover. Um, Andy and his best mate. 
and they choose to watch Deathly Hallows part one. And I was like, oh my God, that is that is a hangover movie. Yeah. Like the first film is there's too much to mock, the bad CGI, whatever. The second one and the third one were really fucking dark. Right. The fourth one, too much action. Like if you go through them all, you're like, oh my God, yeah, Deathly Hallows, that is the hangover film. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so true. Just, a few little things and like the things that they like eat and like that sort of stuff like so much of it as always with Dolly is like so relatable but like maybe you don't yeah. realize it's a relatable thing until you read it in a book and you're like huh yeah 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 um, and I'm so sorry I've just seen in our show notes you put I'm gonna read a mass passage from page 146 uh, so totally just fine that. you're better at reading things out than I am um I do I also... have another quote if go I... on as long as Which... it's not about elephants, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, it's, I don't want to give a spoiler about like what part of the book this okay. came from. Um, but it's it just says we toast everything unremarkable because length of time because the length of time we've all known each other renders the simple laws of time so very remarkable, which I really loved because there are certain friends and people you have in your life who you've known for such a long time that that in itself becomes so special. And I think that quote just really, it's it's unremarkable, but it's very remarkable. Mm. And I think she just phrases it so much more succinctly than I could ever put into words. So I liked that. Yeah. And whilst we're on passages, on. I wanted to talk about, do you remember before I spoke about how like, I think it was Kintsugi and I was I didn't know what it was and then yeah, once yeah. my friend told me I kept seeing it in books everywhere it's like a kind of similar situation to that in that literally the morning of I, it was while we were on honeymoon we were talking about animals and captivity you know as you do on your honeymoon really romantic chat and then we got on to elephants and um how it's quite common for baby elephants in captivity to like die when they're young in like an elephant is pregnant for two years until like a zoo will like wait for this baby to be born and then they can get this disease and then die um and then my husband was like and don't uh, elephants grieve like human like elephants grieve a lot and they like gather as a pack and, and when, then we were talking about elephant grief right so imagine my surprise when during a little tropical rainstorm oh. I'm reading good material on the balcony and he talks about a book called why elephants cry and there's a little passage from it elephants grieve in a similar manner to humans unbelievable as it may sound they perform rituals of mourning and they even cry they inspect scatter and bury the bones of their dead for reasons that are largely still a mystery to us and then it goes on and on. And I was like, what the fuck? Like we have in our nine years of relationship, never spoken about elephants mourning. We chose today to do it. And now I'm reading about it. Like how weird. So rogue. <laughs> so But rough. I had no idea elephants did that. Yeah. yeah. Sad. Sad. Um, yeah, I just, the book as a whole was quite sad, wasn't it? And yeah. I love Dolly Alderton's writing. I think I've made that very clear. But her books, her last two books, have also made me, like, very sorrowful. Like, um, Ghosts. I mean, Ghosts is a, very, is a very, like, emotional book about someone mm. being ghosted. So if you've ever been ghosted or, you know, whatever, 
that book will hit slightly different and it's also about alzheimer's and ghosting within you know the human brain but this book as well like it is just the unraveling of a relationship and i think everyone can identify with parts of that and there are just so many moments where i was like god this is so heavy i like i just need to put this down for a little bit because it's really sad yeah I found myself not as desperately wanting to pick it up. Yeah, I made the mistake of um, the day before my birthday, I had the day off and my plan was to blitz through as much as possible and like finish the book. And I read a big chunk. And then afterwards, um, I was about to go out for dinner and my boyfriend was like what's wrong and I was like I don't know I just feel really sad and I knew I didn't feel sad about turning 30 and the only thing I could chalk it up to was I think it's because I've spent a really long time today reading a big chunk of this book and it has just made me feel a little bit like not nostalgic that's the wrong word but it like rubs off, off on you the sadness yeah. of Andy does rub rub off on you yeah and I think because because he's quite draining and yeah. self-absorbed naturally in a breakup you will definitely be drained and self-absorbed and like why did this happen to me of course not disputing that but it's a lot to read about and then when he's also like annoyed that the top podcasts are from other male comedians and like all the other elements of him feeling sorry for himself it's impossible to not carry some of that with you Hundred percent, and he, I think, just gets, yeah, very wrapped up in his own world, and in his own misery, and doesn't yeah. actively try and get out of it, which I find very frustrating. Um, but do we want to talk about the ending? I think we do. So, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, this is your spoiler alert warning. <laughs> You've made it this far. Maybe come back once you read the book. Equally, just listen. <laughs> it's, it's not, not a major a spoiler, spoiler, but I, I, it was a really nice surprise to come across. Yeah, okay. and also having read the synopsis, it does kind of give it away. It says yeah. that every relationship has one beginning. This one has two endings. Yeah, true. Okay, so basically, the spoiler that's not really a spoiler, but we don't want to ruin it for anyone, is that towards the end of the book like really right at the end of the book we switch to Jen's perspective and we hear about the whole relationship and the breakup from her point of view boy did I need that I <laughs> so needed that and I'm so glad Jen got the last words yeah <laughs> she deserved it and there are so many just like we said at the beginning like the start of the book begins with Jen and Andy listing all the reasons why uh, he and Jen broke up or that they shouldn't be together the beginning of Jen's ending starts with all the way all the reasons why her and Andy shouldn't be together so you can start to see how um ev there are two relate like in every relationship there are two narratives happening yeah. and you can see how they're perceived very differently and um, I thought that was really, really smart. 
especially like there are some there were some things that Jen listed as her reasons um for you know not working with Andy and one of them was like he's starting to go bald at the back of his head and I can already tell that that's going to he's gonna he's going to become obsessed with that and he does like at one point in the book he like sees a photo of himself or something and realizes he's like thinning at the back and then he starts cataloging it every single day by taking a photo of his bald patch every single day to see how it progresses over time and you're like oh okay Jen Jen knew this was going to happen Mm -hmm. Jen knows this man so well and also was right to say that that would be really annoying because it was yeah and I'm going to go back to the line in Andy's list at the beginning that I didn't read in case it was a spoiler there's actually two one after the other pretended she's unsure about wanting children because she cares about the planet but I think she just didn't want children with me and then the one underneath is would never talk seriously about having children despite knowing how much I want to be a dad but would sometimes say that's one of my baby names to people in conversation and firstly Andy why do you want to be a dad because you cannot even look after yourself you're a giant baby you just think you want to be a dad because society has told you that at some point you need to be a dad grow up and think it through and secondly I mean a I don't know, was Jen ever that upfront about him and her stance on children and whatever? But basically we learn in Jen's part that Jen was actually perfectly happy being single and was very independent. And for her, a relationship wasn't the be all and end all. It would be like an add-on to her life or whatever. And I guess this one wasn't just an add-on to her life. It was a fucking drain. She already, she became a parent in in being Andy's girlfriend. Oh, you're so right. She did. Like, it didn't feel like a relationship, did it? It felt like she was in charge of everything. And he has never been single. And she had spent a long time being single. Yeah. And was very happy in her singlehood. Um, And I'm pleased to say, like, towards the end of the book, like, is happy again to be single again yeah and feel like oh I've you know I have to now go to the next I have to find someone who's better than Andy it was no Andy isn't serving me I was better off alone yeah and my life was better and more filling when I was single but you know there was a huge like you can't the huge part of it where from Jen's perspective you could see how all of her friends were starting to have babies. And I think that sort of swayed why she wanted a relationship because she was losing a lot of her friendships. Um, And yeah, like you say, she ended up becoming a mum to a middle-aged man. Yeah. And I just realised we haven't even spoken about their best friends. So they meet because their best friends are a couple. Is it Jane? It's Avi and... Jane and Avi. Yeah, because yeah. they're J and A as well, as these two are. Um, And that whole bit was interesting and about, like, Andy, like, had Jen tokens and, like, whenever he would meet up with Avi, he knew that he could probably only mention Jen, like, once or twice. And once he'd used those tokens, that was it. Like, he couldn't just keep talking about her, especially with Avi, because he was still in touch with Jen because they're both godparents to Avi and Jane's children so it's it's all very messy yeah 
Um, I thought they handled it really well, though. Yeah, yeah. Like definitely. Jane I and really Abby. like Abby and Jane. <laughs> I really like Jane, Abby and Jane, and I like how they didn't pick a side. Yeah, because they were always, yeah, Jane and Jen. Jen. <laughs> Had been best friends Avi and uh, Andy had always been best friends and then they formed you know a couple like couples together so I like that they didn't just pick one side and then leave the other to fend for themselves on their own and um, we also didn't haven't spoken that this book was set in 2019 mm, such a classic and we avoid the pandemic by setting it in 2019 we see it all yeah. the time <laughs> And then the beginning of sort of towards the end of 2000. So it's the sort of set from about July, June or July 2019 to January 2020, which we all know now was the start of the coronavirus and the pandemic. And Andy moves in with an old age pensioner, a guy called Morris, who is a character isn't he he's filled him. with conspiracy theories and is very set in his ways he lives alone and towards the end of the book he would just say sort of in sort of december time say weird things to andy like andy would say do you want to go and get a beer next week or something and morris would say Oh, I don't know. We'll have to sort of see how cases are going by then. And Andy's like internal monologue at that time is like, I have no fucking idea what he's talking about, but I also can't be asked to ask. So I just nod obligingly and pretend that I know what he's going on about. And we as the the reader know that Morris is actually bang on. A fucking pandemic is coming. Yeah. Morris for PM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Morris is like, disinfecting his house and and everything and um do we is it a spoiler to say like we're in the spoiler zone go for it yeah so (laughs) towards the end of the book um or the final passages from Jen is she is very happy alone and actually wants to hands in her notice do her job she's got a three-month notice period and decides that the traveling around Central or South America that she's put off for so long, she's going to do this year and going to go away from uh, for a year. And but she's going to have to work her three month notice period, which would take her to March 2020. And obviously, we all go into we know that uh, the full blown lockdown is mm. hit by then, so that's not going to happen for Jane. And it I did make me think like. What will happen? Like, how will their pandemics go? Yeah. Because they'd both gotten to quite a positive space about their breakup, but a pandemic. Yeah. Well, that's... Andy starts planning to oh. go to Edinburgh Fringe and he's, and it's like the best, it's his good material. He's like the best thing he's ever written. I was like, oh, Only bro, just you're not going to Fringe. It's going to be not... cancelled. And is, yeah. yeah, you can just sort of see that and he's gonna spiral yeah yeah definitely I wonder if like when it comes out in paperback she'll write like an extra passage about the pandemic or something oh, you know what I they like to do that. 
But you then just mentioning about her going traveling links again back to Andy's list at the beginning. And now I'm like, I feel like I need to reread the book and go back to this list because I feel like maybe every point could be touched on. But it's all. I think it is, Jess. Yeah. yeah. All talk about being some big adventurer, but never followed through. Wanted to take a year off to travel because she never had a gap year. Next year, wanted to move to Paris. Not the right time. Wanted to get an undercut. Work wouldn't like it. Wanted to go to an outdoor sex-themed rave when my hay fever gets better. (laughs) But But I think that was also like showcasing how many people become, when they're in a relationship that's maybe not quite right, become quite complacent on both sides Jen and Andy were both guilty of that you know one of Jen's things about Andy was I keep telling him he needs to refresh his material for comedy and yet he or start a podcast if you know he's unhappy about not being in the top 10 (laughs) you need to do something about that then um and it was actually the breakup acted as the antithesis for both of them to go off and do the things yeah. that they've always said they wanted to do, but never got round to doing. And I think sometimes that's why breakups are such amazing things to happen for people because your le- life never gets worse. You only get better, but because you sort of take charge a little bit more of like your own, you know, destiny destiny <laughs> but like you you take back control a lot more so yeah. because you have like, to because no one's babying you or exactly. holding you back yeah I know like I remember like a big breakup I went through in my 20s like I, I signed up to do a yoga teacher training and I would never have done that had I stayed in that relationship mm. um and I think there's so many things like that that I I love that that element was touched on yeah yeah definitely so are we team Jen team Jen all the way (laughs) um I think it says a lot that the whole book was written by from the perspective of Andy but both of us agreed that we loved Jen's perspective and Jen's perspective was like five pages (laughs) and I think actually Jen's section saved the whole book for me because it felt like such a chore to pick up, but not be- it's very good, not because it's bad, but because it's like sad and mopey, it made me sad and mopey. And so I didn't find myself wanting to pick it up. And then like even turned and he was like, oh, is it good? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's all right. Like it's quite a lot, but yeah. And then when Jen's book came in and I put it down, I was like, great book. And like literally the whole time, I'd never said that about any of it. And then this tiny little passage at the end, redemption. And also it just goes to show that women are so much better in dealing with breakups than men. We're just more mature in every sense. Yeah. I mean, this is a straight relationship we're talking about. Yeah. So I'm sure it's different for same sex couples and what have you, but yeah, in this instance, (laughs) such a big baby. baby. (laughs) But is it a reco? Yeah. Yeah. It's very thought provoking mm. about just like normal life because the thought provoking book doesn't have to be about huge horrible things that have happened in the past or are happening in the world or whatever. Like you can just yeah. look inside yourself and look at your friends, look at your relationships, and like have those thoughts. Yeah, like nothing really happens. No, in Ghost there is a bit of a there is a quite a clear beginning, middle, end. 
Yeah. Whereas this it is just like the unraveling of a relationship and someone's yeah. in a monologue throughout it all. Um, but I did I did really enjoy it. And like you say, Jen's final chapter was the piece de resistance. Yeah. And I realized we might have lost half of our listeners at this point. So I probably should have said it near the beginning, but we'll say it now. So we've said it's a reco to someone that's recently had a breakup. At what point would you reco they read it? Because it's not too soon. No, no, no. I would say like the three or four month mark. Yeah. When you're about ready to. You're getting a bit more clarity. You're getting a bit more clarity. You're not in the the madness as it was termed by um Andy's friend and you can make you're maybe in a in a space to write down like all the reasons why you actually weren't compatible and that is a good reason that you're not together anymore Then follow us on Instagram at Greco's for funnily enough.